Hi. Hello. How are you, my weird friends? Welcome back to my podcast. If you are new, thank you for joining. I admire your podcast of choice. This is a true crime podcast where I discuss each week a new murder, mystery death, or conspiracy theory. This week, I was running short on time, mom duties, work duties, and just life taking up the majority of my time. So I'm going to get right into it. I won't do a rundown of the city and state this took place. Instead, I'm going to give you a brief history of the hotel this occurred in. I think that that is way more interesting and beneficial to the case than telling you some weird things about Los Angeles. You are listening to the mysterious death of Elisa Lamb. Lisa Lamb was born April 30th, 1991. She was from Vancouver, Canada. Her parents were two immigrants from Hong Kong, David and Yina Lamb. Elisa's parents owned their own restaurant, but also managed and operated a diner named Paul's Restaurant. Whose restaurant? Paul's Restaurant. Lisa was described as being a thoughtful, imaginative student. She was a promising student at the University of British Columbia. She was interested in fashion and was a talented writer. Lisa was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and depression. She was managing her medication to manage her symptoms. Lisa started her first blog in 2010 named Ether Fields. She showcased her interest in fashion and clothing, fashion photography, and she was very transparent about her struggle with mental illness. Elisa's last blog post on Etherfields read, quote, I am so much more active on Tumblr. This is going to stay as a reminder of what I was thinking. Bests LL, end quote. She continued to blog and post on her Tumblr account named Novelle Naveau. She shared thousands of images, pieces of writing of her own, and various authors. She had interests in classical books and films, experimental art and design, fashion, and culture. Hidden within her posts were dark, brooding images, hinting to her darker side, depression, and conflicted mind. Elisa took her prescribed medications, dextrin, wilbutrin, and mood stabilizers. Most of her life, she was able to function without major ramifications. There were no signs of a breakdown or her being a danger to herself or others. Elisa had a bright future, but her potential was cut short beginning December 21st. Elisa gave her first mention on this day of her plans to travel to the West Coast. She was going to visit a school in Santa Clarita for a possible transfer. December 28th. Lisa posts about her cell phone being misplaced, which 
may seem irrelevant now, but just remember that. January 7th, Lisa booked her flights for the West Coast tour, posting about potential meetups with followers. January 9th, Lisa posts, due to paranoia, she made a new Facebook account for the fifth time, reading, quote, This is the very start of my depression, and today I am feeling very low. January 22nd, now 2014, Lisa arrives in San Diego after missing her initial flight and getting lost in the airport. January 24th, she posts about her plans during her tour, activities, and places to visit. She had plans to visit the zoo, museum, and while watching at Coronado Point Loma. On January 27th, she posted she was out with friends at a speakeasy and had lost yet another cell phone, this time being a borrowed Blackberry from a friend specifically for her trip. January 28th, Lisa arrives in LA and checks into the Cecil Hotel near Skid Row. Skid Row is also known as Central City East. Skid Row contains one of the largest populations of homeless people in the United States. This area of downtown LA has a very high crime rate. The Cecil Hotel was known as a budget hotel for visiting tourists. Let me give you a little background on the hotel before I go any further. The Cecil Hotel is in Los Angeles, California. It was a budget hotel in downtown LA at 640 South Main Street, which opened in 1927. The Cecil had 600 guest rooms built by William Banks Hanner, specifically in mind for business travelers and tourists. The hotel cost $1 million to build. Within five years of the grand opening, the United States sank into the Great Depression. The hotel flourished through the 1940s. However, decades beyond that saw hotel decline due to nearby area known as Skid Row populated with 10,000 over four miles of homeless people. When the hotel location began to decline, suicide and crime on the premises became more frequent. There were 16 total non-natural deaths reported as well as complaints of paranormal activity. The hotel became notorious for adulterous couples, drug activity, and prostitution. In 1947, Elizabeth Short, better known as the Black Dahlia, was supposedly spotted drinking at the hotel bar just days before her notorious and, to this day, unsolved murder. A retired telephone operator staying in the hotel was well-known and well-liked within the hotel. She was found dead in her room. She had been raped, stabbed, beaten, and her room was ransacked. Serial killer Night Stalker, whose real name was Richard Ramirez, who commit his first murder at the age of 24 in San Francisco. He took up long-term residency in the Cecil Hotel until being caught and arrested in 1985. Richard was charged with 13 counts of murder, 11 sexual assaults, and 14 counts of burglary. Along with serial killers, the Cecil was a hotspot for suicides, from jumping out windows, poisoning, self-poisoning, gunshot wounds, and razor blades to wrists. You get the idea. Cecil Hotel did not have a good reputation or track record. 
January 30th, Elisa was staying in a hostel-like shared room within the Cecil Hotel until her roommates complained of Elisa's odd behavior and she was moved to a private room on the fifth floor so she wouldn't be a further disturbance to other guests. January 31st was supposed to be the last day in Los Angeles for Elisa's planned tour. This is the last time Elisa is seen by two hotel staff members, as well as Kathy Orphan, who was a clerk at a local bookstore. Kathy stated Elisa was by herself, very lively and friendly. Elisa told the clerk about the books she was looking for and buying, also voicing her worry the books would be too heavy to carry while traveling. Elisa was set to check out of the Cecil Hotel that day and continue her travel to Santa Cruz as her last stop of the tour before returning home. Elisa had called her parents back home almost every night of her trip. Despite losing her cell phone, she found ways to communicate. So, when the parents waited for a call that never came, they knew something was wrong. The parents wasted no time flying to LA to file a missing person report as well as assist LAPD in the search for their daughter. They scoured the hotel, surrounding areas, even dogs brought in the search couldn't pick up on her scent. Her room on the fifth floor turned up no clues. Nothing was disturbed, no answers leading to her vanishment. February 6th, the LAPD released an official statement online with details of Elisa and her case, urging people to be on the lookout for her profile. February 14th, the LAPD released the biggest bombshell known to the case. After recovering elevator CCT footage, Elisa was picked up on surveillance February 1st. The video is worth watching for yourself to understand exactly her behavior at the time. She entered the elevator in a red shirt, looked like a denim skirt and sandals. This will be important information later in my theories. She is seen bending down and pushing numerous buttons. The elevator door remains open. She then peered out of the elevator looking left, then right, down the hallway, as if she was looking for someone or making sure no one was following her. She stepped back into the elevator. Still, the doors weren't closing. She leaned up against the side of the elevator back to the wall, closest to the button control panel, almost as if she was hiding. Elisa then appears back out of the elevator without sound, unfortunately. Her lips were moving as if she was talking to someone down the hall. She then began to make strange hand gestures, all while the doors still not closed. The doors didn't close until Elisa stepped out of the elevator and out of the video frame. The doors close, then open, then close, and open once more. This odd behavior was disturbing and brought the case to worldwide interest. February 19th, 18 days since last recorded sighting of Elisa, the Cecil Hotel got numerous complaints of foul smelling, tasting and discolor of water as well as low water pressure. You know where I'm leading with this, don't you? Santiago Lopez, an employee at the hotel, 
went up to the rooftop where the hotel's main water system was located. He had climbed a ladder to access the water tanks. That is when he noticed the main water tank's lid was open. The lid was 20 pounds itself, not easily blown open by wind per se. Santiago peered into the open lid and there floating face up was a completely nude Asian woman, Elisa Lam. Her clothes were floating near her inside the tank as well. The entire hotel had been drinking, brushing their teeth, and showering in this decaying body water for 18 days. As you can imagine, the guests sued the hotel over the incident. The Cecil Hotel has since rebranded and renamed, quote, Stay on Main. Back to the discovery of the body, the water tank had to be completely drained then was cut open from the side to remove Elisa's 5'4 frame body. February 21st, the LA coroner ruled the death accidental drowning, with bipolar disorder and other findings contributing, but not related to the immediate cause of death. The actual autopsy report and toxicology report weren't released until four months later. Many disagreed with the coroner's rulings and started to question the quality of LAPD's investigation. There was no sign of trauma or assault. There was evidence of blood pooling, however, in Elisa's anal area, leading some to suggest sexual assault. While others argued due to the body being submerged and decomposing in water explained the pooling of blood. Along with her clothes floating, her room key and watch were recovered with a coating of sand-like specks. I would love for somebody to elaborate more on that. As far as Elisa's toxicology report, there was no trace of illegal substance or alcohol in her system. There were, however, traces of her prescribed medications. The coroner found Elisa took at least one antidepressant that day. She had taken her second antidepressant and mood stabilizer recently, but not that day. There was no trace of Lisa's prescribed antipsychotic, leading to the theory she was not properly taking her medication. Without caution or proper use, antidepressants used to treat bipolar disorder can induce manic episodes as a side effect. This may explain the odd behavior noted by her roommates, as well as her elevator state of mind. Could she have been having a manic episode? To understand her disorder, you need to understand what bipolar entails. Bipolar disorder is a mixture of depression and manic episodes. Manic episodes can include extreme happiness, irritability, hyperactivity, little need for sleep, and or raising thoughts. Elise's parents went on to file their own wrongful death suit against the hotel, stating, quote, Cecil Hotel had duty to inspect and seek out hazards in the hotel that presented an unreasonable risk of danger to Elisa and other guests, end quote. The rooftop was off-limits to guests, only accessible to employees, or an alarm system would set off throughout the hotel and alert the front desk. There was no such alarm triggered the day or following days that Elisa went missing. To access the rooftop, in Santiago's own words, he had to take the elevator to the 15th floor, then walk up a flight of stairs to the rooftop door. He had to disarm the alarm, 
then climb up a ladder to the platform where the four water tanks sat. Another ladder was needed to climb to get to the top of the tanks. The top hatch of the tanks weighed 20 pounds alone, so not too heavy that she couldn't lift it on her own if in fact she did so willingly. The lawsuit was dropped against the hotel due to the fact that the death occurred in a restricted area to guests equipped with alarms. Now let's get into some theories swirling this case and online sleuth groups. These aren't in any specific order or popular opinion, just listing them off randomly. With that being said, number one theory is an employee was involved. Some believe the CCT footage from the elevator looked to be tampered with. If Elisa was talking to or gesturing to someone in the hall, it was someone not seen on video or knew where the frame of the security footage was and avoided it. Along with this theory, hotel staff noted Elisa was always alone. Someone could have used that to their advantage. The rooftop door was secured with an alarm. Someone could have disarmed the alarm and taken her up to the roof. Number two, another theory was Elisa could have accessed the rooftop by crawling up the fire escape. However, that would have been tricky to do so without drawing attention to yourself. And she was on the fifth floor. She would have had to climb up to the 15th floor or take the elevator to the 15th floor. And she wasn't captured on surveillance doing so. Number three, Elisa Lamb was recreating the movie, quote, Dark Water that held really strange similarities to the death of Elisa, down to similarities in the clothing she wore versus the actress in the movie. I have not watched the movie yet. I plan on watching it for myself to better understand and judge for myself, but I've read that this movie is about a girl who drowned in a hotel rooftop water tank. A few strange similarities were names in the movie, one being Dahlia and Cecilia. Could be coincidence. Black Dahlia and Cecil Hotel. So was this an act to recreate the film, which was made in 2002 before her death? Or was this a prediction of her death from something more sinister? Number four. Was Elisa assassinated by the government? Elisa had retweeted an article that stated the U.S. government was working on an invisibility cloak to be used for the military. So was Elisa assassinated for knowing too much on this cloak? I feel so weird saying invisible cloak out loud. It sounds like something from Harry Potter, but I'm not pulling your leg. Google it. Whether it's credible or even possible, this is something being talked about. Some of these cloak believers think that they see some strange movement in the CCT footage with Elisa in the elevator. As if someone was in the elevator, but wearing this cloak and couldn't be seen. And maybe that was who she was talking to. Number five, Lisa was playing the elevator game, which I read into finding this game originated in Korea. A game using the elevator to transcend dimensions to cross over and back from, quote, the other world. Number six, paranormal activity. Ghosts of serial killer history at the hotel possessing Elise to lead her to the water tank and commit suicide. Which leads me to theory number seven, that Elise commit suicide. She may have planned this specifically for this trip, 
booking the exact hotel given its suicidal past. She was known to be depressed. Maybe she drowned intentionally. Even though you would think drowning would be really difficult to pull off. Unless you know you can't swim or you tie your ankles to ropes attached to cinder blocks. How does one force drown themselves? It's just nature to try to breathe or fight for oxygen once deprived and for long enough. Number eight. Lastly, and maybe one of the most interesting. Did Elisa Lamb even exist? I say that because during the time Elisa went missing, there was an outbreak of tuberculosis spread across Skid Row. Was Elisa Lamb used as a drug test subject for tuberculosis? The TB test used in the area was called enzyme-linked immunosorbent assay. Lamb, Lisa, for short. Elisa Lamb backwards. Isoniazid is the most used antibiotic for TB-positive patients, and the side effects include confusion and abnormal behavior. So, was Elisa Lam fabricated to distract from the government's TB outbreak and treatment testing? I guess we will never know. If I have cracked this case and end up dead by apparent suicide, don't believe it for one second. It was the government or Hillary Clinton. Enjoy some bloopers from this week's episode. Wow, like how many times can I say restaurant in one clip? Very lively and friendly. I just burped. How much is the tooth fairy paying nowadays? One dollar. <laughs> okay, what'd you get last time? Five. Since you brought me a jealous rat, get in here and shut up. One Sit down and shut up. what it sounds like. This is gonna be like a trigger for people who don't like like food sounds. This is what it sounds like to eat a jello shot. <laughs> it's gross. But it's good. Sounds gross. Hmm. Not bad. What's my favorite color? Leopard. <sighs> okay. Time to drink me. If you weren't so cute. I'd be mad that you interrupted my recording. But you're kind of cute. <laughs> I'm cute with my pants. I'm cute. <laughs> Those are cute pants. I've asked you this before, but what would you do if you were staying in a hotel and the water was like weird colored and it smelled bad and tasted bad and you make a complaint and then a few days later you find out that you have been drinking water with a decaying body in it for 18 days. Oh, I'd be rich. I'd be rich after I threw up. What's an invisibility cloak? Your imagination. Did you not, like, think of Harry Potter? Oh, I did. When you first heard that? Yeah, I did. Answer that phone call. That wraps it up for Lisa Lamb. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you like this podcast and this content, I ask you to support me in sharing my podcast with your friends. Thank you for the continued support and listeners. If you are new, thank you for joining and hope to see you next week for my new episode. Go follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Pocket Full of Crime. I post additional content and pictures each weekly case so you can put a face to the crime. Until next time, stay weird, my friends. Oh, and one more thing. Hi, Mom.